Welcome to Widowed But Not Alone with Todd Bessie of Credom Wealth Partners, the podcast designed to help people who have lost a partner and those people who support them. We will share stories and resources that will help support your needs, address your financial concerns, and guide you to believe in your future. Now, on to the show. You can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. When your life shatters in ways you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, it's easy to feel like you have no control over anything. Whatever thought you thought you were in charge of, well, that ended the day your husband passed away. All of a sudden, making decisions is tough. The partner you used to lean on is now gone. On some days, you make a few decisions, and on others, you just can't pull it together. Things happen, but you just don't feel any of it. As a widow enduring the grief that comes with the loss of your partner, you'll find that people will come into your life, some for support, some to provide advice, and some that guide you to a better place. How do you determine who to let in? who you can trust. Are they in your life out of obligation or do they really care and want what's best for you? These groups of people can consist of family, friends, and advisors that you might call your inner circle or your personal board of directors. I'm Todd Bessie of Creedom Wealth Partners, and this is the Widowed But Not Alone podcast. Today, I'm welcoming back as my guest, Maggie Moore, For those of you that listened to our last episode, you heard Maggie share her thoughts about the challenges of getting organized after the death of a spouse. Maggie is known as the widow coach. She spent over 20 years at large global corporations, but her world changed in 2014 when her husband, John, died in a tragic accident. Maggie now spends her time advising businesses, individuals, and families on issues that arise before, during, and after widowhood. She is known for taking her widowed clients from desolation to transformation. Hey, Maggie, welcome back to Widowed But Not Alone. Hi, Todd. Thank you for having me back to discuss this really critical topic. So, Maggie, as a widow, people suddenly appear in your life after the death of your spouse. Some of these people you know and others are new. What are the risks that widows have to deal with as people enter their life at this point in the journey? You know, Todd, one of the things about widowhood is that really the act of losing our spouse triggers a process that collapses the walls between we have between our inner and outer worlds. Normally, we have certain levels of privacy between, you know, kind of around our family and our loved ones. We have our work world and our home world. Well, losing a spouse creates a situation where huge numbers of people come into our, our world and they are really collapsed together. Some examples of this might be where our coworkers would see our personal lives and pictures and meet people from our friends and family at our funeral. We have strangers come in and help us with the actions we need to take in grief, um, things like settling in a state or dealing with social security. Family and friends show up to help us in our time of need. Unfortunately, what happens is not all of these people have our best interests at heart. Some try to take advantage of us because they think we have inherited assets or life insurance money. Some maybe don't have friends in their lives and think that we don't have any. So they want to kind of rope us into their world. Um, Some will try to take advantage of our grief to help drive us to decisions that benefit them. And then there are those that are genuinely out there to help. The trick is trying to be be able to figure out who's who. 
here's an example where sometimes our family members aren't necessarily the best ones to help and advise us. Recently, I helped a widow kind of stand up to a family member who was pressuring her to sell her husband's car to him. Her brother-in-law was saying, you know, this is the offer. Take it or leave it. You have until Friday to decide. One of the things I helped her do was to really take a step back, look up the actual blue book value of the car, and, well, surprise, it was actually much more than her brother-in-law was offering. Yeah, it's unfortunate that... uh... You know that that those things happen at at that time in in a widow's journey. I mean, when you when you think about the stages of widowhood and the groups of people that are there to help you, how how would you categorize them, and how would you go about building the right circle of people around you? You know, it's helpful to kind of think about the broad groups of things that we're really doing. There's sets of activities. <laughs> when we grieve the loss of our spouse. And there are really three huge areas that you you kind of go through in this transformational process. The first one is is what I call the the work of grief. That's dealing with the emotional, physical, and the very real overwhelming trauma that comes with the death of our spouse. The the part that we've talked about in a prior podcast that kind of takes over our brain. And it's not just physical. Um, not just emotional, but but really a physical process as well. The second part is what I call the business of widowhood. That's really taking everything that you built in your marriage kind of down to the studs and rebuilding it. It would be things like, um, you know, all of the decisions that you make in the course of marriage, who's going to be the emergency contact or guardian for your minor children, but also things that are triggered by the death of your spouse, like dealing with social security, um, maybe dealing with a a spouse's uh, HR department to talk about things like pensions or health insurance arrangements. The third one is what often gets lost in the process, but is equally critical and in some ways more so. You're really setting the foundation for the rest of your life. Widowhood is fundamentally a transformational event, like a marriage or the birth of a baby. There's a before and an after, and you're really doing all of those three things. When you think about the sheer magnitude of doing all of that with a brain that's drenched in grief and trauma, you realize that you need different people to help in each of those areas. Here are some examples of the type of people that that could help you. In dealing with your grief, it might be some a therapist or someone trained trained in grief recovery or coaching, or a fellow widow person who can just get it and understands maybe not your particular journey, but what it feels like to be a widow. In the business of widowhood, you would need people that might assist you with what I call transactional events, settling the estate, transferring titles on a car, dealing with social security. Some of these will be one-time actions where people come into your life for a particular process. Others evolve into ongoing relationships. And the best part is those folks that come into your life in this process or the relationship evolves into being those true advisors. Sometimes you'll also have people who emerge as a critical partner to you to the process to help support you. Um, They might shore up your organizational capabilities, uh, the born organized friends that we have that come in. I call them side guides, which are short for by your side guides. 
for the transformation piece, though, it really is important to really think about that you're really recasting your life. You're, it's a curating process. You're picking the parts that are going to be kept as a result of this event and lovingly let the rest go. For this part, you need someone who's truly invested in you and invested in you without thought of return. They want you to become the best you, but they also have the capability to meet you on any given day where you are, whether you're having a good day or bad day, and help you get from point A to point B with whatever you're facing at that point. This is where the true advisors come in to the process. This is where you find the people that are invested in becoming what I call your personal board of directors. Yeah, that's awesome, Maggie. Thanks for thanks for laying that out for us. Um, so, going back to the business of widowhood, you know, I think there are people there that obviously are guiding you. So, these are these are the professionals, like the accountants, the attorneys, bankers, insurance specialists, you know, and of course, certified financial planners. How can these people make a positive impact on a widow's life? You know, there are great professionals that can have a good place in your journey. But I want to draw a distinction between someone who gets you through a transaction and someone who can make the transition to an advisor. So the people who help you with a a transaction will help you by clearly explaining what's happening with that particular transaction, why it's happening, and will do it in a way that you can understand. Better advisors will help track dates and deliverables for you. They recognize that this is a, a, a difficult event. The clear distinction kind of occurs here between someone who's going to get you through that transaction and that transition. The best advisors will meet you on any where you are on any given day and understand that this is not happening in a vacuum in your life, that you're dealing with many conflicting demands on your overwhelmed brain. They understand your world is imploded and has been taken down to the foundation pretty much almost as though a, a tornado has leveled your house. And there's debris everywhere that you're trying to figure out what to save and and what to replace. The best advisors will help you build it back up. Um, Here's a good example of how a good advisor can help you. I call it the tripwire. One of the things that we deal with as widows is we deal with kind of that anxiety-driven decision-making. And nothing can get more complicated, frankly, than money, particularly money that comes to us in, you know, in the form of insurance payment or assets. In a truly trusted financial advisor relationship, you can set an agreement with your financial advisor to just be that person that you can bounce a critical decision off of before you make it. Oftentimes, what I see is um, for widows we have to buy reliable transportation if we don't currently have it. And the reason for that is we may have been able to get by on two cars, you know, that were kind of okay because we had another driver. And if one car wasn't working, we could go for the other one. However, when you're the only parent, not a single parent, you absolutely have to buy or, you know, obtain reliable transportation. And so that's a big purchase that I see pretty often. And a good advisor will help you kind of think through that and and help you make that, for some widows, a major financial investment. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, as you're walking through this and talking about um, some things that happen and, and making decisions on transactions, I guess one of the things I think about from my role as an advisor and working with widows is it's, it's that issue of coordination, right? So with all the things that are coming at you, you know, trying to work with this group of advisors, uh, 
often I, I guess I see a widow client having trouble of keeping track of where they're at and what stage of the process and you know what do I have to do with my accountant? What do I have to do with my attorney? And I and what we I guess what we try to do as we step into these relationships is be that quarterback, if you will, and, and help our widowed clients put together a process and make sure they stay on track with all the different things that, that they need to work on. What do you, what are your thoughts about that in terms of bringing in somebody like to help you with that coordination of efforts? That's, that's one of the things that I would consider to be sort of beyond a best practice. And here's why, because we're not only dealing with, um, you know, trying to funnel a huge number of financial, emotional, practical decisions through a brain that's that's really kind of has reduced decision-making capacity. And that does return, but at the point at which we need to make decisions, but there's added work, Todd. There's things like, you know, in some states you have to file an estate tax return or a statement of assets. There are things that need to go to the IRS. There are uh, financial implications to decisions as to whether you, you know, um, deal with a pension or roll something over. But in addition to that, these all have conflicting deadlines. And what I see most often is in the HR world where, you know, in the, you know, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, this was often, often handled by one HR department and held, uh, handled internally. Many of these different processes and programs are outsourced. So oftentimes a widow will not only be dealing with her company's HR department and her spouse's HR department, but the, the companies that these processes have been outsourced to. So that quarterbacking process is incredibly important because things are much more complicated than they used to be. So if, it, if we think about that role and, and who you might trust to bring into that circle, you, know, you hope everybody has the best intentions, but at what point, you know, when you're getting advice as a widow and whether that's from family, from friends, or or advisors, how do you know that that advice you're getting is in your best interest? You know, Todd, decision making is fundamentally different for a widow. Our brain is drenched in grief and trauma, frankly, and so we need to shift and think about making decisions differently than we did pre-loss. So when I think about uh, you know making decisions and, and working with widows on that, I have a framework that I work with clients on, and I'm going to share some of that with you because I think it's really helpful not only for the listeners to your podcast, but also you know as, as as you look at an advisor to go ahead and kind of think about processes. So you know we're confronted with tons of decisions in the course of our widowhood. And the other thing that happens, and we can't really ignore this, is that grief naturally softens our heart and makes us more vulnerable to um, emotional appeals. And that's not a bad thing, but it does impact our decision-making. So what I tell people is to think about grief and decision-makings with these keys in mind. One, am I in a good space to make this decision? Am I in a clear moment or in a state of anxiety? Because anxiety can drive us to make decisions that we wouldn't think about otherwise. Two, what is driving my decisions to make this now? Do I need to? Most times you don't. You want to do what I call my PCQA, make a pro and con list and write down questions and then get the answers. Then ask yourself this, what is best for me personally? 
is this decision going to cause me grief, trauma, or stress that's going to give it rent-free space in my head? You know, um, what is this person asking? Who is this person and why are they asking to do this for me? What's the benefit to them? Sometimes we want to outsource these decisions. Other times people are asking us to do things that really don't benefit us. What's best for me and my children? Will this help or hurt me and my family and our goals to live a good life beyond loss? Because sometimes we make decisions from a space of anxiety that are short-term but have long-term implications. Am I making this decision with zero, and I mean zero, expectations about how the other person is going to react or respond? This allows us to really think about kind of the emotional overtones in the conversation. You think about the relationship with advisors and people that are there to help you. Sometimes people are patient and, and take their time and others are, are a bit overzealous and want to you know, get you to make decisions, right? Like you talked about a minute. So how do you set the boundaries when working with people that are supporting you and you know, providing said, advice? That's a really good question. And I think about boundary setting in a couple of ways. I think about it in terms of the service that's being provided, but also where I am. So here are some examples of the boundaries that I encourage people to set with, um, you know, advisors. You know, I expect that you and your staff are going to understand that I'm going to grieve my losses on my timeline and my schedule, not yours. And, you know, that needs, is important and needs to roll all the way down to the people who deal with me in terms of, you know, reception. You know, I expect an advisor to tell me what I can legally do on my own and what you'll do for me and what the fees will be. And I want you to explain that to me in a way that I can understand as many times as I need to, because again, my short and long-term working memory are compromised in grief. I expect an advisor to be transparent with me at all times regarding what they're doing and how they'll be compensated. It's not a problem that I'm compensating you as an advisor. I just need to know what I'm paying for and why. I expect an advisor to always act in what we call a fiduciary capacity. And, you know, advisors who are CFPs, this is certainly part of that process with them and part of the ethics that are driving that. Um, I expect that an advisor is going to respect my emotional state and be very flexible if I need to start, end, or modify a meeting because I'm not always in control of where my head is at a given point in time. I expect, as you mentioned, an advisor is not going to push me into a decision. It is one thing to say there's a deadline but when an advisor is trying to drive a widow into a decision, there's no benefit that accrues to that widow in that situation. And, you know, I expect that you're going to understand that my goals are not only going to be driven by the financial realities, but also my life realities. Uh, things are going to change and I may have to change my mind to accommodate them. That's a great list of things that uh, I think all widows should think about, be aware of, and, and, you know, we could, we could tidy that up and provide that to our listeners, you know, as, as we finish up here today, uh, you know, so as we think about that and, and, and your boundaries, you're setting now, unfortunately there's some bad apples, right. And people that are, are, are there for their interests and not necessarily yours and see working with a widow as an opportunity for them and, and not necessarily looking for things that are in your best interest. So, what should widows be thinking about at this point? What red flags should they be paying attention to you? How do you know when you're being taken advantage of? 
You know, I, I, I think there's a couple of things. And unfortunately, I, I've dealt with a few red flags in, in the course of my goals. And so, you know, in, in dealing with my clients, um, here are some things that I really encourage people to look out for. Anything that causes you to feel uncomfortable, whether it is driving you to a decision on a, a fairly quick basis or if you feel that there are emotional overtones to the conversation, or if it's something that you don't understand, you have every right to be able to stop someone in a conversation and say, you need to explain that to me in a way that I can understand. If there are conflicting priorities, uh, I, I have a huge question if someone is acting in a dual capacity. Uh, you know, it, I like to say you can't serve two masters very well. So if someone is acting in a legal and a financial advisory capacity. It's not just the fact that that situation could be fairly difficult. It's a question of, of skill set. You know, if someone is an attorney and a financial advisor, one of those skill sets is going to be stronger than the other. It's just the nature of, you know, the, the set of, um, it's the nature of the education and the orientation. Another thing is lack of a fiduciary relationship and uh, Todd, why don't you explain a little bit about that fiduciary relationship for your podcast listeners? You know, very simply being a fiduciary means that my only obligation is to you and to do what's best for you to provide the right recommendations uh, without regard to how I might be compensated. That's as simple as I could put it as what working as a fiduciary means. And you know what? The best advisors will live that. But I've also seen people who overemphasize that fiduciary relationship as though that takes care of everything else. Because you can be a fiduciary and because you're bound to a particular company, you're only allowed to sell the products of maybe that, that financial company. So, you know, it's important to understand the guardrails around that fiduciary relationship. Um, relationships that don't enable your decision-making as a widow, you know, that don't offer education or devalue you in a as a person in meetings by uh, throwing out a lot of terms that you don't understand. Being forced into a process, that's something that is a huge red flag. So if you're trying to ask questions about what can I do myself in the process of settling an estate, for example, and that provider comes back and says, our process is we only handle it all. And the fee is XX. That's a huge red flag. Any provider worth their, their salt is going to say, look, you can handle this for me. I can handle this for you. But legally, you can also file this paperwork yourself. That enables a widow to go ahead and make the choice. And that's a really, it's, it's what I call a red flag, a red, red stoplight or a green light. One of the things that's important here is that I tend to think about are internal referrals. So an example of this might be when your name is given out by one company uh, to one of their um, affiliated companies. So perhaps an insurance company has referred your name out to an insurance advisor after paying out a life or accident claim. Some of these advisors are ethical and well-intentioned, but not all. You know, so it's really important that you think about how this person came into your life and how they got a hold of your name. Yeah, I think uh, the, the key there is obviously do, working with people that are certified and have independence and can can clearly articulate that their goals are are 
are strictly aligned with your goals and your values and what you want to achieve. And that's the key, I think, for any widow that is seeking out an advisory relationship is to find that kind of person to work with. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. So Maggie, let, let me, let me transition to that last stage. You know, one last question for you. You know, when you think about the transformation stage of widowhood, what type of people are present in your life and how do they lift you up? You know, what's important about this transformation stage is that as a widow, you're dealing with decisions that maybe your spouse handled, or, um, you know, there are certain risks of, you know, all of the, the, the risk management, the decisions, you, they're all on you. So the best advisors are the ones that help you move beyond that interaction that they maybe came into your world with and help you create that new life. Really what widowhood does, if you think about that tornado example, your, your life's now down to the foundation and you're trying to figure out what pieces to keep, what pieces to curate, what parts you want to bring in as a legacy and what you want to try that's new, what you want to try that's different. So the best advisors really enable that trusted relationship and you can bounce ideas off of them. You, uh, you know, I think about uh, the clients that I talk to when they talk about these advisors, they'll, they'll feel very comfortable not only talking to them about a specific transaction, but forward thinking, what they're thinking about doing, what purchases they're thinking about making, where they're thinking about sending their children to school or scholarships or other things. And, and a good advisor not only talks about that and meets them where they are, but opens up a huge number of um, what I call, <laughs> I like to call it the Rolodex. If there's a problem, they'll um, share good information about, you know, a, a mechanic or other things or, you know, help that widow find resources if she wants to go back to school. That, that's the above and beyond aspect that moves, that really is the board of directors that I'm talking about. And this group of core advisors, whether it's a financial advisor or a trusted side guide or just uh, other widowed people, that forms the board of directors that's really critical and a true success factor that I found for those people who successfully um, create a new life in the post-loss era. They validate your growing skills as a widow widow to make these decisions and help you navigate the new world and ultimately build a life that you love. Yeah, this is the brightest spot, right? Is is getting, you know, through the tough parts and to the part to the point at which you feel that independence and the drive and excitement to pursue, you know, new interests, new friendships, you know, travel, you know, whatever it might be. So, Maggie, hey, I really appreciate your time today. This has been a fabulous conversation. Uh, I'm I'm really happy that you could join me. So, hey, please tell our audience how they can reach you if if they're a widow or let's say they're a family member of a widow and they need support in dealing with grief or the business of widowhood or transformation. You know, I can be reached at uh, www.thewidowcoach.com or you can reach me at info at thewidowcoach.com. And, you know, as I said, I'll, I'll happily provide some resources we can put with this podcast, some of those principles for boundaries and some other resources for your folks who are listening to this, Todd. I want to thank you for this opportunity because one of the things that I love about this is seeing the transformation that occurs when 
a widow has an amazing board of directors and, you know, a year or two years out has, has created a life that she loves. And Maggie, it's, I, I think it's awesome what you're doing and supporting people and lifting them up. So again, you know, thanks for, for being with me today. Uh, so at Credom Partners, we work with widows in various stages of their journey to reach us. Please visit our website at credomwealth.com. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the Widowed But Not Alone podcast to be notified of upcoming episodes and share it with your friends and family. This is Todd Bessie of Credom Wealth Partners. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Widowed But Not Alone. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Integrated Wealth Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, doing business as Credom Wealth Partners, a registered investment advisor.